Lord, we pray that you would walk into this room now and be with us, that we might see you and know you and worship you. To that end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please have a seat. You know, it never fails, at least in my life, I don't know about you, that when God wants to say something to me, he gets my attention. And as we've been going through this, setting the pace, every week it seems like God has said something to me. Now, I'm getting tired of it <laughs> just because, you know, he does it in these really unique and almost obnoxious ways. Yesterday I was at Costco. Linda and I were doing a little bit of shopping. You know, she's headed to Romania tomorrow, and so we're getting everything ready. And um, you know how Costco is a great place to eat lunch for free? You know what I'm talking about? That they have all these little booths all over the place. And so uh, I was trying to make sure that they were all good food. And I went to the first one down here near the corner near the frozen stuff, and she wasn't ready. And I'm sitting there, okay. See, I'm going on break. While I'm here? You know, break? Yeah, okay. So I missed that one. Then I go for the coffee. She said, it's going to take a few minutes for the coffee. Okay, God, are you talking to me about slowing down? So then I get to check out. There's a guy in front of me that has a thousand things because he's traveling back to India today and he's taking all these things with him. The cashier comes up and says, we're changing cashiers right now. It'll be a few minutes. By now I'm getting the point. Don't hurry. Just slow down. See, that's, that's the message that God's putting into you and into me on a regular basis for a couple of reasons. Let me read you a few quotes here from people who are not necessarily followers of Christ. They might be, but in this case, uh, what they had to say is so good. There's a woman by the name of Janet Lures, and she said, our chronic busyness is actually an addictive behavior, behavior that we resort to because we become so accustomed to operating at high speeds that we're now downright uncomfortable with quiet time, with contemplative silence, or with slowness of any form. And this is called the hurry sickness. Some of us suffer from hurry sickness. Let me define that. A continuous struggle to accomplish more things and participate in more events in less time, frequently in the face of opposition, real or imagined, from other people. It's a behavior pattern characterized by a continual rushing and an anxious sense of urgency. Now just think about your own life for a minute. Does that describe a portion of your day or perhaps your entire day because of what you're trying to pursue? And Carl Jung, the non-Christian psychologist and psychiatrist said, hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. Why? Because it robs you of your original design and how God made you. What does God say in the scripture? He says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, things that you and I are hurrying after, will be given to you. So your priority in life is God. Number one, 
God with you, God with your spouse, God with your children, God with your work. And that's the proper order. So when you are pursuing God, you can do it in a pace the same as Christ established. You don't have to hurry through life as though there's something you have to accomplish and get done quickly. Now, I agree, life is short, live it well. Because it does pass by quickly for those of us who are on the far end of it. We have noticed the difference of it. So here's what you need to do. Here's a little tagline for you. Learn to linger. You linger over what you love. I remember when Katie Beth was born, we took her home and put her in her little crib in that nice little bedroom we had decorated for her. And I can remember getting up at probably one o'clock in the morning and tiptoeing in there and looking down on this amazing creation of God. And many of you have done that with your children. And you just stand there. You're mesmerized by the beauty, by the potential, by what that future could be. And so you linger. You don't need to go anywhere else. You just want to be right there, right now. I did it with every one of the kids. Haven't you done that before? That you just linger like that? Proverbs tells us that the Lord watches over those who love him. See, God lingers. He lingers in your life. He comes in to your bedroom at night, and he looks down on you, and he says, wow, look at this miraculous creation of mine. Look at the potential I have poured in to my child. Wow, I'm just amazed at how well they're doing, and they're pursuing me. I just want to hang with them for a while. And he does that with you when you are pursuing him. You have to learn to linger. God first lingered in the garden with Adam and Eve. The Bible says they heard him walking in the midst of the garden, you know, knowing that he was present there with him. Why? Because he created them for his own glory. He made you and me for his glory. Our purpose in life is him, not our work. Our purpose is to get as close to him as we possibly can, and he will draw you there if you will allow him to do it through the Holy Spirit that lives within you. This is what God wants to do with you. You linger over what you love, but it takes two attitudes, a shift in mind, for you to be able to do that. And that first shift comes from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Listen to the word of God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. I know the rest of us there. We're going to talk about it in a minute. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. That leaves no room for trust in anything else. Your heart is not allowed in its pursuit of God to trust people, to trust systems, to trust political concepts, to trust anything in this world, you trust God and God will see you through. He will make everything fine because your trust is in him. It's not in your own abilities. That's what God is saying. When you don't trust in him, stress goes up, joy goes down. 
When you don't trust in him, your work suffers and your friendships decline. When you don't trust him, you have a hard time hearing from him because he's not going to speak into a heart that is veering away from him. He wants to speak into the hearts that are in pursuit of him. That's the very pace that Jesus Christ set in his life. There's a 100% possibility that God will be with you if you were pursuing. Those are good odds. I mean, I know some of you last week were thinking, wow, what if I won 1.6 billion, right? And you were all thinking you'd tithe, right, to this church. But see, that's a pursuit. That's a one in 302.6 million to one. That's your odds of winning. But your odds of winning with God, they're no odds. It's already settled because of what he accomplished on the cross for you and for me. He lived this pace of life that led him into obedience to the Father that led him into a sacrifice for you and for me. He trusted his Father. He gave up heaven and glory and became like us, 100% God, 100% man, but he did it in perfect obedience to the Father. His heart was totally set toward the Lord. He trusted with his whole heart in the Lord. And he didn't lean unto his own understanding as a man. That's what God's looking for, for you and for me. The world emphasizes doing. And to do, you have to pursue. God emphasizes being. Who are you? When he looks at you, he's not moved by what you do. He's the one who gives you the ability to do what you do. But he is more moved by your character and how it is developing. Let me tell you, he's never done with you. He's always refining. He's always sharpening you so that you will trust him more. Because that's what he wants from you. He wants you to understand how much he loves you. Who else has given a son for you. Now, we have lost loved ones. We've lost jobs. We've lost income. We've lost, all of us have experienced these losses in life. But do you know nothing can pluck you out of the hand of the Lord? That God holds on to you so tightly. But we have to make sure our emphasis is on Him, not on ourselves. There's a Christian writer by the name of Frank Powell, and Frank said this. We can be sure we're moving at an unhealthy speed when we're more concerned with what we're doing than who we are becoming, more concerned with external validation than with integrity. And that's the difficulty we have as followers of Christ in this world because the world presents itself with all sorts of challenges to you on a daily basis. Basis. But listen, if you're moving too fast, God is going to slow you down. About three weeks ago, when we had communion here at the church, I was scheduled to be the one uh, performing the communion and love to do that. That's a very special time each month in, in our life as a church. And so I, I'm privileged to be able to serve communion. Well, that Saturday night before I had come back from my daughter's birthday party down in the Detroit area, and 
Uh, it was about 10.30, 11 o'clock at night, and I had my little carry-on bag, but it was pretty heavy. And I thought, okay, I got to get upstairs. I got to get to bed because I got to get up early in the morning because everything's got to be ready. Hurry, 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 hurry. Haste makes waste. So I picked the bag up and I think, okay, it's pretty heavy. I had some muscle problems here. So I'm just going to go two steps and walk up, two steps and walk up. Oh, that's ridiculous. I'm wasting time. I'm going to go four. <laughs> Pulled a hamstring. Found myself lying on the steps with this suitcase about to fall on top of me. And my leg is killing me, and I'm screaming, Jesus, help, help, you know, don't even have my phone on me to call 911. And then I understood, I have fallen, and I can't get up. <laughs> Never again will I make fun of that comment. So I said, okay, Lord, you have my attention. He said, you know, in my heart, he's speaking, and he says, you know, everything's going to be fine for tomorrow. You know, slow down. And I had no option now. So about 20 minutes later, I was in the apartment. And then I got the ice. And I put the ice on the, the leg. And the next morning, I got up. And I'm thinking, I could do communion from the floor because I never make it up these steps. If you've ever pulled a hamstring, you know what I'm talking about. So I drive to the car. I drive to the church. I've got some juice with me. And I said, I'm anticipating the pain of getting out of the car. I don't know what it's going to feel like. And I don't know how my balance is going to be. So I was very careful as I spilled the juice all over me. <laughs> then I'm sitting there. I thought you said everything would be fine. And I said, it will be. He said, don't worry about it. Call Alan. Alan doesn't answer his phone. Alan doesn't receive texts on Sunday morning. Alan's nowhere to be found. Okay. So I'm thinking, all right, I'm, should I go serve communion looking like this and hobbling and coming in, I sure would get a lot of pity, <laughs> wouldn't I? I hope, okay. <laughs> Maybe a healing service. <laughs> so I said, no, I know who will respond. Immediately, I dialed Aaron, and Aaron said, hi, how can I help you? I said, do communion. He said, got it. And so I hobbled back home. Come on, feel sorry for me. And, <laughs> but you see what happened is, God wanted to say, why are you trusting in you're going to do this and you're going to do that and you're going to go here and you're going to get upstairs and you're going to serve communion? Look, put your trust in me. I'm the one who's going to take you where you need to be, get everything you need when you need it. So trust in me. Slow down. I can't say it enough. Slow down. If you're moving too fast, you're going to hear from God. Jesus found the perfect pace. Now, watch this. In the four Gospels, we actually record approximately 52 days in the life of Jesus in his public ministry. Just 52 out of three and a half years of public ministry. But in Mark, the first chapter, it's one of the few places you can find one whole day recorded. And in this record... It says that Jesus has just been anointed with the Holy Spirit, went into the wilderness, came back, and now he's called the disciples, and now begins a day. And that day starts, and 
He's healing people and he's casting out demons and he's talking about the kingdom of God and he's calling people unto himself. And it goes all through the morning, all through the lunchtime, all up into the evening. He's even doing it a little bit late into the night. And then it said, he ended that night and early the next morning before it was light, he got up and what did he do? He did what he did every day. We may only have 52 days recorded, but I assure you that every day from the day he was old enough to know, he went to linger with his father. He went to spend time with him. If you're going to trust in the Lord, you have to have a dialogue with God. You have to have an ongoing prayer life that is constantly trusting him. Because if you don't show your trust in him, you don't know what's going to happen. And he wants you to trust him. Christ spent his entire life with one purpose, to seek and to save the lost, to bring glory to the Father. And in John 17 is when he says, Father, I have done everything you have given me to do. Oh, I wish I could say that. I long for that day when I stand before him because I know it'll be a glorious day, but my regret will be I did not do everything you gave me to do the way you wanted to do it because I trusted in myself some of the times instead of trusting in you. You have to slow down to trust. You have to slow down to pray. You can pray anywhere, anytime, about anything, and God is listening. He lingers over you. He longs for your voice to come toward him because he misses that fellowship because he created you to glorify him and enjoy him forever. That's your whole purpose. Your purpose is not what you're doing in life. Your purpose is through what you're doing in life to bring glory to him. So what you're doing is important, whatever it is, but it's only as important as your relationship to God makes it important because he's saying to you, serve me in these variety of ways that I have created you as I looked over you and lingered over you and said, I've created you for this purpose, but do it for my glory, not yours. There's nothing to keep us from worshiping God. We have to trust in the Lord with all our strength. His trust took him to the cross. He trusted something that we didn't know at that time. The disciples didn't understand the resurrection. But Jesus trusted the Father that if I pay the price for your wrath against sinful man and I redeem that price to myself and I die, I trust that you will raise me from the dead. That's the ultimate trust. It's a trust that you and I should have also. I'm not like those who are without hope. I believe in the resurrection. I believe that Jesus Christ is going to call my name and I'm going to come forth unto him. I trust him for that. Why? Because he trusted the Father for that. And that trust is everything that we need, the same trust that Christ had. And that trust begins when you acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The second point brings that in. The second point is the rest of that verse Chapter 3, verse 6, and that is, in all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Submission, trust, and release. 
Trust and release. If you trust him and you submit to him, he will be your blessing. It'll come in a lot of different ways, but he will do it. You have to, you have to recognize the importance of that. Some of you may remember long ago, 1974, or you've heard it since then, because a lot of you weren't born then, Harry Chapin's The Cat's in the Cradle. How many of you remember that song? Look at that. A lot of you do. One little verse from it. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. That's hurrying. That's misappropriating time. That's not releasing your life to Christ. That's trying to hold on to your life. And then the legacy you leave is a hurried family behind you. Kids rushing all over everywhere to do everything. And then they grow up and they have kids to do the same thing. We're increasing at an increasing rate. I remember when ads on television were about a minute long. And I think I mentioned to Aaron just the other day, they're so fast now, I can't even record them. They're just flashing. They're just flashes of light. It's like, whoa, slow down. Because life needs to slow down. That's the pace you need. You need the pace of Jesus Christ who walked in a straight direction to glorify the Father. And to do that, he submitted. Uh, the Christian contemporary artist Toby Mack said, if you want God to close and open doors, let go of the doorknob. Submit. Release everything to him. Is he not able? Is he not willing? We're his children. He would do anything for us as long as it's in accordance with his will. Ask whatever you have in accordance with the will of the Father, and he will meet it. So if I'm pursuing him, and I'm talking to him, and I'm trusting him, then when I release everything to him, I can be assured that he will take care of me. It won't be the way I planned, but it'll be the way he planned, and his plans always work out to my benefit. Here's the question. The question is one over thrones. I don't play Game of Thrones. I didn't watch it. I, I don't know that much about it, but the title itself bothers me. Because you see, we set up thrones. We pursue things that we think are going to elevate us. So others are looking to us. Don't ever put any of us up here on a pedestal, on a throne, as though we're holy. No, we want to be as low to the ground as you are so that when we fall, somebody will be there to pick us up. Thrones are important in life. But there's only one throne before which you should bow the knee. It's the throne that Jesus Christ pursued in his relationship to his father. And when he arrived and was seated in the heavenlies, he took you and me, according to the scriptures in Ephesians, and he seated us with him. We bow before the throne of the Almighty God. That's the only throne that impresses us. That's the only throne that has seated on it the God of the universe. So that's the throne you want to pursue. When I ask the worship team to come back up as 
want to read something to you from a Christian pastor from years ago, G. Campbell Morgan. Here's what he said. If the throne before which you bow is the throne of the world or the throne of the flesh or the throne of the devil, now get this, and they are not separate thrones. That is the trinity of evil. Let me read that again. If the throne before which you bow is the throne of the world or the throne of the flesh or the throne of the devil, and they are not separate thrones, this is the trinity of evil. If you bow before that throne, you are still reigning. But it is a reign of devastation, a reign of death. You cannot escape submission to a throne. So today, the pace that is set for you is to find yourself at the one throne that is acceptable, that you will bow the knee before the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ. To do that, you have to trust him, you have to submit to him, you have to pray to him. You have to be in a relationship that puts him at the very first. Take everything else that's been said all the weeks we've been talking and put it in like this. You can't do this on your own. You can't change your pace on your own. That's just behavior modification. The only way you're going to change your pace is if the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you and slows you down to bring you closer into the presence of God where you can bow before that throne. Life is short. It's very short. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you need to do that right now. I'm going to pray with you for a minute. Then I'm going to ask something of you that's a little different. We have a closing song that really pulls everything together. I want you to sit and listen to it. Don't sing it. Just listen to what God has to say with it. But first, let's pray. Lord, there's some here who need to put their trust in you for the first time. There's some here who need to submit their lives to you. And then there are those of us, Lord, who need to trust you more and submit more. Lord, teach us how to pray. We do not know how, but your Holy Spirit takes the message of our hearts into your presence because you continue to intercede on our behalf. Lord, you have set a pace that is doable to bring us to the throne. Lord, if there's someone here today who needs you, then pray this prayer, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Change me from what I was to what I am. Show me the throne, the only throne that is worth kneeling before. And give me trust, teach me submission, and hear my prayer. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Life is short. Live it well.